Welcome to the Positive Futurism Podcast. In science fiction, positive futurism is known by another name, solar punk. The future of our living planet is not the vision for mainstream fiction, nor is it the facts climate activists present. That's not the future. That's what we fear. The facts are not the problem. The facts are the parameters for the solutions. The Positive Futurism Podcast is the place to listen to stories from the actual future, the ones the solutions brought about, and the major mindset shift that got us there. Here, you'll hear short stories and excerpts from audiobooks from the future. We'll also keep you up to date about solar punk writing contests, art contests, deadlines, and awards. We'll be discussing actual eco-friendly technologies already in place. You've probably heard the term self-fulfilling prophecy. The future is just that. It might be hard to think about the future, so let's start remembering how we got there, right here on the Positive Futurism Podcast. Stories from the Future. You're listening to Episode 3 of the Stories from the Future podcast. These are real stories from the future, but just forget I told you that. It's a temporal paradox thing. We read short stories and essays from the future and invite you to submit your own. The only criteria is we're looking for positive stories, stories of hope and resiliency for humanity to overcome any obstacle and continue the global change movement. Stories and essays should be between 600 and 2,000 words, or a little longer, can be speculative fiction or nonfiction about changes for the better to bring about a world of renewable energy, respect for nature, social justice, and economic equality. Submit your stories for the future to positivefuturism at gmail.com. Cash prizes will become available depending on the support of our Patreon community link in the episode description. Visit www.storiesfromthefuture.co for more details. We've received a few excellent submissions so far, and yet thematically the world they're depicting is dystopian, and we really do want to encourage writers to imagine something more optimistic. A world where the solutions have wended their way forward, somehow, some way. But how? Well, that's the challenge the challenge we're encouraging all of us to imagine. Now, before we jump into today's story, are you ready for your writing prompt? Here goes. If you could imagine a world that doesn't use money, how would that world work? Or would you imagine a world where everyone receives a universal basic income? Today, in a post-COVID economy, Rhetoric about a labor shortage and no one wants to work is unfortunately emerging. No one wants to work for unfair wages, that's true, and no one wants to work for 80 or 40 hours a week just to afford a small apartment. So what does the economy of the future look like? That's the writing prompt we'd like to invite you to think about this week. At the end of this episode, I'll talk more about it, including an anecdote from the famous 1960s philosopher Alan Watts on this topic, so stay tuned. As we await your submissions, today I'm going to read an essay that I submitted to a writing contest at Vocal.media. Trust me, this isn't an advertisement for them. 
I wish it were, that would mean we had a sponsor. This is a story I submitted to their writing contest themed around passion. What's your passion? Why should patrons support you? After I submitted it, I decided to have a little fun with it and mold it into a speculative fiction piece for the podcast. It's called Global Change Agent from the Future. If you're interested, hop on over to vocal.media to read the original story, and please give it a like and share it. Link in the episode description. Engagement helps select winners in the contest in the event of a tie. And I encourage you to submit to any of their contests too. So ready? Let's engage. Global change agent from the future. So what line of work are you in? I am a professional idealist. The woman with a name tag, bordered by a red square resembling a for sale sign, walks away with a <laughs> I know what she's thinking. Or at least I can take an educated guess. Professional idealist? Might as well say you're a professional hippie. I'm a real estate agent. I work in the real world. I hold back my urge to make a comeback. That's not fair. I'd never call you a used house salesman. But I've learned the hard way that being confrontational isn't the way to convince anyone of anything, let alone that lasting change is a life and death proposition in the 21st century. There's such a thing as being too honest. Like many of us, I often struggle to answer the age-old question, so what do you do in any conventional way? I can't just be a writer. The interconnected world is far more complex than that. Many of us struggle to find a way for all the moving pieces to fit together. It's a constantly evolving target. Content creator, author, podcaster, Online platform professional, OPP? No, not really. Besides, wasn't that a pop song in the 90s? Social change agent, influencer, thought leader. No, those are just labels. Let's be honest. Our world and the economy is changing rapidly, almost faster than any of us can keep up with. So let's go all out, idealist. I can imagine how that conversation might go if I attended a professional networking event at my local chamber of commerce. I am a professional idealist, I reassure myself, a wave of self-confidence washing over me. I take three long strides across the carpeted hotel conference room, careful to keep my plate of perfectly scrambled eggs and ideally al dente bacon from spilling over. I catch up with the real estate agent just before she slips into her next conversation with an insurance broker. I may not have anything to sell her, but I'm confident I have something to offer. Hear me out, I say. I have an elevator speech. Can I at least tell you that much? She nods somewhat reluctantly. Sure. Okay, you caught me. I'm actually a 007, a secret agent in the global change movement. I'm from the future. 
from a world where economic equality, social justice, and the rights of nature are supreme. I'm here in your time influencing the changes that need to happen. While I'm here, I host a podcast called Stories from the Future, and I'm a public speaker on reversing climate change. If anything, her look of skepticism deepens the wrinkles on her face, worn heavily by years of cynicism, born from living in a culture based on competition. As if on cue, the MC of the Chamber of Commerce breakfast announces that we should all take our seats. Phew! Saved by the bell. I've never gotten the hang of small talk in this society, and I loathe the religious ritual of making elevator speeches. I can fake it till I make it on good days, but it's draining. I'll be tired for a week after this chamber event. It'll be worth it. I was selected as the keynote speaker today, representing the most unique profession among new members. Global change agent from the future? Yeah, I'd say so. But I can't tell them that, so I introduce myself as a storyteller. And open with an unbelievable, if true, story. Do you know what the greatest irony of the 21st century is? The world's largest online megastore is named after the most vital ecosystem on Earth, which we destroy to make the addiction to materialism possible. It's like there's a big red flag waving in the wind. The truth is so glaringly obvious that we ignore it. I must come from another planet. On my planet, let's call it future Earth, the rights of nature reign supreme, and no government or corporation would even consider making a coffee table out of a kapok tree. The current Earth has its problems, that's for sure. Your economy, uh, our economy, is based on endless growth while we cut the forest down. Similar to a serious accident, the 21st century is looking more and more like a near-death experience if we're not careful. We need to slow down buy less, do less, be present with our loved ones. One of my favorite authors, Charles Eisenstein, has called the 21st century a rite of passage. I don't want you to think that I'm talking out of my hat or that this is mere philosophy. Three years ago, I had a serious concussion. Here's what I found the only path to recovery was. Caring about something greater than myself. I had the luxury of time. I considered what was really important. Time for reflection, well, that shouldn't be a luxury. But between our jobs and mortgages and fast-paced lives, it is. But I learned to slow down. The first year of my concussion was hell. Mirroring that recovery, positive futurism recognizes serious challenges lie ahead if Earth is to recover from the age of fossil fuels. And if society is finally to rise above social injustice and economic equality. But I see a bright future at the end of the tunnel. I don't want the 21st century to be a near-death experience like the one I had. To be honest, I've seen that future. And trust me, 
It's one we want to avoid. This is a chance for us to realize that a new way of doing things is absolutely necessary. Gandhi used the word ahimsa, which means nonviolence. The symbol for ahimsa is a hand known as the hamsa, which seems like it's right up in your face saying, stop, talk to the hand. In a world of overconsumption, non-participation in consumerism, a stop sign can be a revolutionary act. Let's get off the hamster wheel of overconsumption and overproduction. Only non-participation can ultimately save us and get us to the future Earth we really want to live in. So give us some solutions, someone from the audience says. Uh, okay, I say, uncertain about how to talk about the actual future, the solutions that actually did work. Keep in mind, for me, all of this already happened, but it won't unless secret agents like me can encourage it to. It's one of those temporal paradoxes I'm not supposed to tell you about. Time to break the rules. I step off the raised speaker's platform and begin walking, slowly, between the tables, leaving my notes behind. Consumerism and materialism are addictions, and a 12-step program to help everyone slow down has to come. Summer camps for adults where we focus on healthy relationship skills are something I hope to organize in the future. Next, we need to shed the toxic masculine behaviors that have been holding humanity hostage for thousands of years. More men's work to teach healthy masculinity really helps. Respect for the feminine and respect for Mother Earth. Hey, I'm getting into this. I'm turning into a Walt Disney marionette up here on stage. I'm getting animated. And then there's the crucial need for social justice. Compassion and secular ethics is how the Dalai Lama phrases that. So many of the other global changes like becoming a carbon neutral planet and environmental restoration only take root after an inclusive worldview with less exploitation of people and nature arises. When we realize we're all in this together. It's called metastentialism. It's like existentialism, but bigger. It's the philosophy that defines the 21st century. Eventually, English adopts a whole new set of pronouns, which changes the way we see the world. Key and kin, first proposed by Robin Wall Kimmerer from the Native American language Anishinaabe, they're gender neutral, singular, plural, and simply mean not separate from other. They're thinking less in terms of self first and more in terms of our relationship with the community, uh, with nature. This is a huge step because the 21st century taught us to be just hyper-individualistic. Do you realize English is one of the only languages to capitalize the pronoun I? This famous linguist Otto Jesperson, 200 years ago, he said that. It's the only personal pronoun that English capitalizes other than the masculine pronoun for God. So if we're equating I with he and excluding the feminine from the divine, is it any wonder there's so much toxic ego in the modern world? especially in America? Do you know why I love telling stories from the future, I ask? It's a clever pun. I'm kind of proud of it. No ego intended. I'm just happy with it. That's the name of the podcast, Stories from the Future. 
But the secret is they're not just stories. They're actually from the future. Just forget I told you that. It's a temporal paradox thing. I love telling stories from the future because nothing happens without us first getting inspired to take action. What future do you want? The dystopian one you fear or one you want to look forward to? The future is the definition of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Shameless plug, the Stories from the Future podcast is your engraved invitation to imagine and submit your stories from the future to be read on the air and published and affect the future. So if you have to lay it all on the line, what visions of the future do you want to see come true? The global change movement has begun. Tag, we're it. And if this were a TED Talk, the iconic ripple fills the screen and the sound effect of a new idea dripping like water rises over the sound of applause. You know, thinking about a future economy where things like economic equality, social justice, renewable energy, and the rights of nature are highly valued, I'm reminded we're going through a very similar cycle that the world went through in the Renaissance a total societal shift in values. This new renaissance that we're hopefully on the verge of, a renaissance of consciousness leading to a carbon neutral economy, will give us changes over the next 50 years, 20 years that we can hardly imagine. So I wanna close today by revisiting the writing prompt I offered at the beginning. What does an economy without money look like? One of my favorite quotes or anecdotes that I've heard comes from the philosopher Alan Watts when he's describing the Great Depression of the 1930s. He says, It's as if one day all the construction workers building a great skyscraper showed up and the foreman said, Sorry, fellas, uh, we don't have any work for you today. We've run out of inches. They look at each other puzzled. What does he mean? Did we run out of steel? Out of concrete? Did we lose the contract? No, 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 fellas. We have all those things, all those things we need. We just don't have any more inches or feet or yards. So we can't work because we can't measure anything. Money, Alan Watts explains, is a measure of wealth. But our economy has become so based on it through the stock market, through mortgages and credit cards, in other words, debt, the measure of the absence of money, that we confuse money for an actual resource, inches for actual rebar. The so-called economy of the 21st century would disintegrate as we know it without money, but labor, work hours, material would all exist even if money didn't. In fact, the exchange of these items might go more smoothly. Think about that. How would civilization build, create, thrive, live healthy, happy lives if we were no longer wage slaves? I invite you to think about it deeply. Try to imagine a world where things work without money. Can you? I kind of can, or at least I can start to, but it's like peeking out a window with the shades barely drawn. So what can you imagine? Submit your short stories and essays from the future to positivefuturism at gmail.com. Deadlines are rolling and ongoing. 
Thank you for listening to the Stories from the Future podcast. These are real stories from the future. Just forget I told you that.